Hi, David. There's been a huge amount of economic data and policy news over the last few weeks. What are the takeaways? Hi, Alex. I mean, you're right. There's been a lot for investors to keep track of as we near the end of what's been a pretty extraordinary uh, year. Uh, We've had a sort of slew of, you know, US economic data that does suggest that the spread of the virus and tightening of restrictions on social and economic activity is starting to erode US growth momentum into the uh, first quarter of next year. Uh, European economic data, despite somewhat better than expected uh, purchasing manager uh, indices, still indicates that European economies are likely to pose contractions in the fourth quarter again due to uh, the second wave of the virus and, and lockdowns. Um, so despite the, you know, the optimism in financial uh, markets, and, and which I share for 2021, um, we, sh- you know, we, we still are very much in the midst of the coronavirus health and economic uh, crisis. And I, and I think this underscores the profound importance of the vaccine breakthrough and getting as many people inoculated as soon as possible uh, from an economic as, as well as, of course, from a health perspective. And, and the recent news on vaccines continues to be generally positive. Um, with, there's, there's more vaccines in the pipeline, um, plans to ramp up production of the Moderna and the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, vaccines. And, and those vaccines have, have continued to gain regulatory approval across a number of uh, countries. A key support for financial markets in 2020, as, as, as we've discussed through this year, Alex, has been huge fiscal and monetary intervention. And we had the sort of final meetings of the Fed and uh, ECB in recent weeks, um, and they both affirmed their commitment to keeping financial conditions as easy as possible through next year. So the ECB extended its Pandemic Emergency Purchase Programme, or or PEP for short, uh, to March 2022 and expanded the envelope by 500 billion euros to 1,850 billion. The US Federal Reserve said it will continue to buy at least $120 billion of bonds every month until, quote, substantial further progress has been made towards uh, its maximum employment and inflation goals. And, you know, central bank support has been crucial, not just for markets, but also, I think, for um, allowing governments to more easily fund the huge amount of fiscal support that's been crucial for limiting the uh, economic damage and scarring from the pandemic. And, you know, we've also had, you know, positive news recently that it looks like uh, Washington is on the brink of reaching agreement on a much needed uh, $900 billion fiscal package. Um, EU leaders have also reached a deal with Hungary and Poland um, to progress the EU's 1.8 trillion euro next generation budget and recovery uh, fund. So, well, certainly I wish good riddance to uh, 2020, um, dominated as it has been by the terrible human and economic costs of the pandemic. I think we do enter 2021 with the hope that vaccines allow a return to normality and, and a full economic recovery that is underpinned by ongoing monetary and fiscal support. Oh, if I forget, and you know, 2021 may even be a year that we don't discuss uh, Brexit. It does seem that the EU and UK are close to agreement on the contentious issue of the level playing field that dealt with issues around state aid and regulatory standards. If, if that is the case, uh, it would be, I think, absurd if a trade deal between the EU and UK 
uh, ultimately falters on the issue of uh, fishing rights. You recently published your investment outlook for 2021. What are the key highlights? So I think that, you know, the discovery of vaccines with higher than expected efficacy rates means that 2021 will be a year of healing. And, you know, that underpins our positive macro market year ahead outlook uh, called recovery and rotation, uh, highlighting what we think will be the two big investment themes for uh, next year global synchronised recovery and rotation in relative cross-asset performance. Uh, An earlier and more effective vaccine than expected, I think, offers the prospect of a quicker and more complete economic recovery. Um, Governments plan to uh, inoculate more than 50% of the population by the summer of next year across Europe and the US and uh, the high-risk groups by by the spring. Um, You know, we may not get rid of this virus completely, but vaccines will you know, greatly reduce the pressure on health services. That has been uh, the reason for these periodic lockdowns and continuing restrictions on social and economic activity. And I think you know, the, the full reopening of economies that vaccination allows is equivalent to uh, a major policy stimulus. It's gonna release the pent up demand that we see in very high savings rates. Um, it's going to, improved job, job prospects and, and, and confidence. And, and in that sense, I think there are parallels also with uh, 2017 when, you know, 2015-16, there was a China-led downturn in global growth, although, you know, very moderate compared to the pandemic-induced recession. But then that was followed in 2017 by a synchronized global recovery that was associated with a weaker US dollar and outperformance of emerging market um, and and non-US assets more generally. Um, I I expect the rotation in market leadership that began in November, where we've seen this sort of shift from in terms of relative performance away from uh, long duration growth assets, most notably US technology stocks from defensive sectors and higher quality credit to more growth sensitive assets, so commodities, uh, cyclical and COVID affected sectors, as well as emerging uh, markets. And I think that is going to continue through the first half, at least of next year. In credit, I think compression between higher and lower rated credit will be a key theme. Um, I think, you know, high yield and higher uh, yielding assets uh, will outperform. I think there's still room for spreads to uh, tighten. Um, emerging market economies are forecast to recover pretty strongly next year, uh, supported by China's V-shaped recovery and a, and a rebound in global trade and commodities. And with the Fed staying dovish and Joe Biden rather than Donald Trump in the White House, you know, it, it is a you know, good backdrop for emerging market assets to outperform, in our opinion. I think the biggest downside risk for next year is that, you know, the rollout of vaccines uh, and the take up is is much slower and lower than and than we expect, you know, with health services uh, remaining stretched and, and a delay in the full reopening of economies. Um, you know, also, once we do get a, a sort of semblance of normality returns, the recovery is more complete, then, you know, the Fed in particular is going to you know, want to signal that their you know, asset purchase program is going to be scaled back, tapered back, and, and markets may well react negatively to uh, the withdrawal of the comfort blanket of central bank liquidity. China, of course, is always crucial, I think, for the global economy. It's the only major 
economy to experience a genuine V-shaped recovery. But when Beijing decides to apply the brakes, the effect will be uh, felt globally. It's not our base case, but you know, inflation could come back faster if uh, pent-up demand outstrips supply. So you know, there are risks, there are potential sources of volatility for next year. But we do have confidence in our constructive macro market outlook for the year ahead. 2021 will mark an inflection point as global growth accelerates, normality returns, and we think the greatest value and opportunities for investors are in lower rated credit, cyclical assets such as banks, and those that benefit most from global reflation, notably emerging markets. Thanks, David. Are you concerned that our investment outlook is consensual? I think that's a fair comment, um, Alex. And, you know, I guess I would say to that, firstly, that, you know, the consensus is quite often right. And it's why momentum is a return factor and why uh, the trend uh, is often your friend. That said, you know, once you do get a broad consensus on the outlook, you know, typically that you know, is established and, you know, becomes reflected in asset valuations. And, and that does render uh, markets vulnerable to sometimes even relatively mild um, disappointments. But, you know, I, I do think this recovery consensus is, you know, only partially reflected in investor positioning and asset valuations. Um, investors' home and safety bias uh, and preference for U.S. growth assets, you know, has become very ingrained. And I think many investors um, are still quite wary and have yet to commit to a sort of reflationary asset uh, rotation. Um, the recent rally we've seen in value and riskier assets, you know, has, has yet to make up for the extent of underperformance in recent years. And, you know, risk premiums in, in uh, parts of equity, credit and volatility still lie above typical non-recession levels, while, you know, investor flows to emerging markets, for example, have yet to return to prior levels. So you're right. I, I think the recovery and rotation is consensual, but I think it's far from having run its course. But I think it also does underscore the importance of avoiding complacency and active risk management in a market environment that, as we've seen, um, does, you know, shift and move uh, pretty rapidly. Um, over the medium term, you know, the legacy of the pandemic is even more public and private debt. And, and that clearly does render, I think, the global economy and markets more fragile. I don't think that's going to be a pressing issue for 2021, not least because central banks are continuing to go out there and buy a huge quantum of bonds. But it's going to be uh, an issue over the medium term. And, and the other big investment theme, not only for 2021, but beyond you know, is the rise of sustainable investing, is ESG issues. Um, 2021 will likely be another record year of issuance of green and social bonds. Uh, we are seeing that investors want greater transparency uh, from their managers in terms of uh, ESG integration and engagement with issuers, but also evidence that their capital is being put to good use in helping to address uh, the social disparities highlighted by the unequal impact of their pandemic on people's lives, as well as, of course, the, the, the huge environmental challenges that we um, all face. So you know, I think a positive outlook for uh, 2021, but uh, and, and important themes that I think will extend even beyond uh, the year ahead. Thanks, David. And just a reminder for listeners that David's 2021 outlook and key investment themes are accessible at bluebay.com. 
It just leaves me on behalf of David and all of our colleagues at Blue Bay to wish our listeners a healthy and prosperous 2021. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission and the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties, as defined by the FCA only, and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice, and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice, nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials. The offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.